What's up, peeps? My name's Jeff, and you're listening to Jeff Relax Man, the podcast where you Brits get to learn about the commotions of Zimbabwe. Yes, that is in Africa. No, it's not South Africa. And for the Zimbos listening, you guys get a taste of England life, where, believe it or not, everything actually works here. Join me as I navigate life as a homo, sapien, because I'm not gay. You're all gay. Lol. people of the world how is it going i'm your host jeff and this is the jeffrey laxman podcast we are on to episode two it's exciting i i'm not gonna say i didn't think i was gonna get to number two i knew i would i hoped i would the goal is to ideally reach 20 because once you're 20 i feel like you're going yeah on a good path on a good role you know what you're doing so let's hope we get there if we go to 20 episodes, we are going to celebrate, okay? It's a little party, a little something, I don't know, but hold me to that. A little bit about myself, I currently do painter-decorator work with my dad, been doing it for about five years now, and honestly, it is not the dream, not ideal. I'm starting the podcast to hopefully get out of that. I just want to be able to work from anywhere, travel the world, as everyone wants wants to do, I guess. And then podcasting, as you can tell. Ideally, I want this to be the main thing that I do in my life. Probably have a job on the side for something more that I'm into than painter-decorator work. But, yeah, this is my, my passion project. So, the dream. Let's see how it goes. The first sponsor of the podcast is... No one yet. So if anyone actually wants to sponsor the podcast, that would be pretty cool. Get in touch. Um, send me a DM on Instagram. The Instagram handle is Jeff Relaxman. Spell with a G-E-O-F-F, Relaxman. Or give me an email at the grmpodcast at gmail.com. I think. I will double check that. Yes, it is the grmpodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. I have just been on a little trip to Morocco, and let me tell you, it was quite an experience. Lots of stories from that, so stay tuned for that later on in the episode. The first segment, as per usual, as per usual one episode ago, we are going to start with classic stories about Zimbabwe. Someone's put here, to buy a loaf of bread, you need a trunk full of bond notes and a calculator because the conversion rate is 6,000 bond to one US dollar. Honestly, I did not know it was getting this bad again. That is fucking crazy. Imagine going to the shops with a calculator and literally bags of cash just to do your grocery shop. If you were going around with bags of cash anywhere else in the world, people would probably think you're balling, but not in Zimbabwe, my friends. Nonsense. I remember... Back in, I don't know, it must have been 2008 to 2010, when inflation was probably at its worst. I think it's like the world record for inflation at this point, like that Zimbabwe holds. Back then, we had the Zim dollar. And Mugabe tried to convince the world that the Zim dollar is one-to-one with the US dollar. And when the world rejected that... It then went up to, I don't even know, billions of Zim dollars equaled one US dollar. Like, it got so crazy, we had, like, a one paper note 
you know, like you have a five pound note here in England, one paper note that had literally a hundred billion dollars on it. That's how big the numbers got to. I've even seen a note before that got up to ten gazillion dollars on one note. Imagine going to the shops with ten gazillion dollars and being told, "Sorry, you you need to, you need a little bit more than that, please, just to buy a loaf of bread." We used to go to the shops with sacks full of money with notes no less than ten billion dollars on them, no less, and we had piles and piles and piles of it. It got so bad because people couldn't really afford you know, groceries and stuff, the grocery stores started getting empty because they couldn't buy stocks because no one would trade with the Zim dollar, that we ended up having to send, like, a couple families all got together and sent the moms literally across the country to another country, to Zambia, once a month just to go and do our grocery shop. Like, imagine having to, and you're in England, you have to, like, fly to Spain or drive to France, let's say, just to go and do a grocery shop once a month just to feed your family and get all the stuff you actually need to to live. God, I think England would be an absolute fucking chaos. There would be riots and protests if that ever happened. So if you don't believe me and you would like to see that I'm not lying, I'm going to post a photo on the Instagram of just a couple of these Zim Dollar notes, just so you can see like where I'm actually coming from. The second segment of the week is classic stories about England. Someone's put you actually having clean water and not having to walk five miles a day for it. Okay, we... It's not funny, it's not funny. We all get the joke about, yes, we have to walk five miles a day and don't have clean water. But stop being xenophobic and racist. What the fuck? But it's true. A lot of people do have to do that, which sucks. But, you know, you make do. I remember in Zem... We weren't, like a lot of the school taps and all that, they were all drinkable water, all clean. But there were a couple taps in the school, like playing fields, where you did sport, that you were told not to drink them, but we did anyway. Like this tap was so bad. If you just put a bit of the water into your hand, it was just covered in like red rust from the tap. And we would just drink that, like during sport, because we were so thirsty. A lot of people got Bahazia... But it's easily treatable, but you just got to treat it quick or it can get pretty bad. Simple tablet, you'll be fine. I guess it only boosted our immune systems, which I'm grateful for. You know, I come to England and and a lot of people get sick quite often. But it's like a running joke between me and my partner that I'm never, ever sick and he's always getting sick. So I'll take it as a win. I didn't die. So that's good. But if you can, you know, $3 a month, send it to Africa. They'll appreciate it. You've seen the adverts on TV. I had to go and talk to my partner, Cal, about this. Because I didn't want to, like, I didn't know how to say it. Or I didn't want to offend any British people. But imagine telling a little British you to, like, a kid. Nah, go walk two miles. Then you can have some water. He'd probably lose his shit. He would say he's going to complain, write an email, I don't know, say this can't happen. Probably wouldn't even know what to like say or how to react. Just never had that before. Because I have definitely seen some kids in England that, like in Zim, you just would not do this. 
you would not shout at or disrespect the teachers in any way. I've literally seen kids in school swear at the teachers, shout at them. Then they get told to leave the class and absolutely refuse. Like, oh, you're going to have to go and get someone if you want me to leave this fucking class. Like, I was gobsmacked when I first heard that in school. Because if that had happened to us and them, like, if we said that, we would have been sent straight to the headmaster's office for a beating. A full-on stick to the ass. I've been beaten a few times in them for silly shit. That probably didn't actually deserve a beating. But that's, you know, leave that in the past. But you would have to go up to the headmaster's office. You would have a line of like six or seven sticks. And you would say, pick your weapon. And you would pick a stick that you think would be the best to be beaten with. Because if you go with the thin, flimsy one, eesh, it stings. Like, that one stings. But if you go with, like, a slightly thicker, more firm stick, the power that it comes at you with, it literally, like, pushes you forward because it's so hard. So once you've picked your stick, you get told to literally bend over the chair, grab both sides, and he puts the stick on the roof and beats you, basically. You can either get one beating, two, three. The max they're allowed to give you is six. So we just call it the best of six. I bet a couple like English people are saying the most you were allowed to get beaten was six. God, imagine getting one in England. Pretty sure the school would be sued or something. I remember this one kid in school. He was, he wasn't a bad kid actually. He was actually a pretty really like really nice guy, but he just hated one of this one of the teachers. They almost had like a vendetta against each other. And he unclipped her brakes on her bicycle. And then he threw the bicycle into the hedge and took off the chain. And I don't know who snitched on him, but he got caught. This kid, he got beaten six by the headmaster, beaten six by his housemaster, and beaten six by the deputy headmaster. His ass was bleeding at the end of this. It was so black and blue. Honestly, I think you fully fucking deserve that. You don't do shit like that. You need to be punished. But also, imagine getting 18 beatings. 18! Like, where's the line for punishment and abuse? You tell me. And I write in where you think the line is. Yeah, that is stories from England. And I guess, relating them to a bit of them. Yeah, so now we are going to move on to the trip to Morocco and the stories from that. Blimey. So we decided to take this trip to Morocco. It was me, my partner Cal, and another couple, two very good friends of ours. One of our friends, Joey, she had a she has a client in Morocco who has these designer rugs, like all handcrafted by weavers up in the mountains beautiful rugs so she had to obviously go out there just do a bit of content branding that sort of stuff and me cal and Sai, we decided to go with her so me and cal are both like yeah let's we're drinking in the airport and simon looks at us and says the only drinking i'm going to be doing is work we both looked at each other and laughed like yeah all right simon we all know that's not happening we literally get to spoons in the airport He's like, yeah, go on, then I'll have a beer. But we, we just laughed, like, obviously. We all knew it was going to happen. 
Throw a couple drinks down on spoons, head to our gate. We buy a bottle of Amarula in the duty free. If you don't know what Amarula is, it is a... It's made out of a fruit called the Marula fruit. A lot of the animals in Africa, Zimbabwe, they get drunk off this fruit. They love it. I will post a video on the Instagram. Watch this video. But it is absolutely hilarious how wasted these monkeys, elephants, giraffes get. So Amarula is basically like a... It's a much nicer version of Bailey's, to be honest. In my opinion. I absolutely love it. So we get a bottle of Amarula. We finally end up on the plane. A little bit drunk at this point, And we just start ordering drinks. We each had a gin and tonic can. A little thing of vodka. You know, some mixer. And we all order some coffees. I then take the bottle of Amarula out. And start pouring it into these coffees. And I look over to my right. And the other three people on the other side of the plane. On their seats. These three guys. Two men and a woman. Like older let's say 80 60 70 around that age and they're looking at us just in hysterics because of what we're doing and they notice me pouring this bottle of amarula dark coffees i'm like Shh. they're thinking these fucking british people what are they doing so i'm literally covering my mouth with my fingers saying Shh. Shh. like don't tell don't tell and they look over at me and the old like grandpa just zips his mouth and locks it He's like, yeah, girl. And we all just start laughing in hysterics. It was hilarious. So, yeah, pretty nice guys on the plane, actually. They were cool. So we get out the airport. We get a taxi to the Medina, which is like the main square area in the middle of Marrakesh. As we arrive there, this cab drops us off and drives off. It is complete and utter chaos. We're on the main road. There are mopeds literally everywhere but they're all tooting and honking and shouting taxi drivers on their phones while they drive like it's crazy the medina at night gets so packed like there's people everywhere people with donkeys horses snakes monkeys and every single person you walk past you just hear them whispering basically asking us everyone to come and buy drugs like, oh, good hash, good hash. You want to smoke hash? Hash? We've got like five or six suitcases plus our own bags because we end up taking a couple um, charity suitcases out for just for the charity aid for the people who suffered in the earthquake. But it was carrying a lot of bags through literally the busiest square in Marrakesh. We had no clue where we were going. None of us had. 3G or Signal or Wi-Fi. We hadn't connected anywhere. And the only thing we had to go off was Joe messaging us while we were still in the airport saying, when you get there, go to this place, go down there, go right there, go left there. So we were just absolutely lost. We somehow finally made our way to the Rehad, which is the hotel. And yeah, we were pretty relieved to have found us. It only took us like 45 minutes to an hour. So we literally get like 100 meters away from it, the hotel. And we get a little bit lost. And we ask just some guy in one of the shops there, like in the little market stalls. Ah, do you know this place, El Canaria Hotel? Like, how do we get there? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, come with me, come with me. Literally walks us less than 100 meters down the road. We're like, oh, okay, thank you. And he looks at us like, um, come on, tip, pay me. And literally wasn't even 50 meters, I don't think. 
And he was asking us for like a hundred Durham, which is like ten quid. Ten quid for that. And I think and Joe met us at reception, so she's like, Oh no, just pay him, just pay him. But we're like, no, he literally didn't even walk 50 meters. But she thought he was the taxi guy that drove us and then walked us. But yeah, we should have given him like 20 dim, which is like, I don't know, quid 80. I think the conversion rate is. But I don't know. There's definitely a local, what local people pay and what foreigners pay. Like foreigner tax, we called it. But with everybody literally trying to sell us drugs, basically in front of the police as well, like it's a couple like police cars just on the main medina the square and everyone's going hash 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 and the police are just looking at us like are you gonna buy some like they're kind of eyeing us i'm like what's gonna happen yeah but they should be fucking stopping it but it's so common i think it's just almost like it's legal there so i don't know because i spoke to one of the waiters at the hotel and i was like oh, why is everyone trying to sell me hash constantly it's like yeah you want hash you want hash like, I, I can get you good hash. Have you bought some? I can get you. I'm like, Jesus Christ, no, man. I was like, what, do you smoke hash? He goes, well, yeah, you know, just, just, sometimes just a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he starts trying to sell me hash again. Like, I don't fucking want that. Please. To be fair, I was tempted one or two of the night, so. Maybe. I, if we said longer, I might have tried that. One of the nights, me and Carl ended up going for dinner. At just one of the local restaurants. Slightly more local place. Not a nicer establishment, shall we say. And we had our dinner. The waiter's very friendly, looking after us. Great guy. And we go to pay and we say, oh, card, please. And he's like, oh, sorry, no, card machine broken. And we're like, well, we don't have enough cash to pay for this. I think it came to 270 dirham. Just like, I don't know, 25 quid or so. We had, you know, three meals drinks not alcohol because a lot of places are dry there and he's like ah okay don't worry i we i'll take you to the atm it's just down the road so i go downstairs and he's unchaining his moped and he looks at me he's like jump on and i'm like absolutely not because if you see the way these moped drivers drive up and down these paths that are like two meters wide but there's like a hundred people trying to get down there and these mopeds come flying through just constantly hooting hooting the fumes crazy so i'm like i'm not fucking getting on that he's like no no come jump on jump on so i jump onto this moped and to be honest i was a little bit i don't know how to hold him because obviously in northern african countries it's very homophobic but everyone's like brother brother like so it's very straight male friendly and obviously you know i was gay so i'm like holding his shoulder with one hand and just holding my phone with the other so I wrap my hands around this guy and just hold on tight for my life and potentially be put in prison for being gay and touching him up? Why do I just risk falling off? So I go with the risk falling off. He drives me to this ATM. Obviously, the ATM is completely out of cash. No money because it's very cash heavy there. So everyone is just drawing cash all through the day. They have to get refilled every day. Get to the first ATM, out of money. Drives me round all the way to the square, stick ATM, out of money. Drives me to the other side of the square, out of money. So eventually, we're literally just driving through the square back to the restaurant. He's like, look, you guys are nice people. Please come back tomorrow with the cash. Make sure I'm working here and you can pay me because 
I'm going to pay for your meal. Like, it'll, I'll pay my boss. It'll come out of my, my earnings, my pocket. To like, oh, mate, like, you know, thank you. That's very nice of you. We promise we'll be back tomorrow. So the next day we, we go back, but he's not working. So we're like, okay, you know what? I don't want to risk giving it the money to someone else and then literally just pocketing it and him thinking we're like shit people. So we go back the next day, like after that one, and he's still not there. So we leave. Finally, on the last day, we go back and this motherfucker is still not working. Like at this time that we went. He usually works evenings, apparently. But it was our last day and we couldn't go back in the evening because we had to go catch a flight. So I'm like, shit. So I go and give just another one of the, um, the waiters the cash and say, please give this to, I can't remember his name, but give it to him. He paid for our dinner. It's come out of his pocket. Make sure he gets us the money. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, don't worry. Thank you. I will, I will do that. All good. So honestly, I just hope that dude got the money. Otherwise, the anxiety is going to kill me for the next like five years of my life. Like, I'm probably going to have to just book a trip back just to go back and make sure he got that money. Oh, I'd feel so bad if he thinks we just did him dirty like that. Another one of the nights, um, this is a very TIA story. This is Africa. Me and Cal go out for a couple of drinks, and the night before we met these two Irish girls in a different bar, and they're like, you need to go to Dada for the frozen margaritas. So we're out, we had a couple of drinks, we're like, come on, let's go to Dada, that'll be fun, let's go see what it's all about. We get there, it must be about 11-ish at night, just after, and there's another British couple in front of us, and they're clearly passive-aggressively arguing with the bouncer, because he will not let them in because they are wearing shorts. Bearing in mind, both me and Cal behind are in shorts as well, so we're just trying to stay quiet. And the girl turns around... Is like, well, sorry, guys, I don't think you're getting in either because you're in shorts. Like, they're not letting us in. And the guy's saying, oh, I think he just hates us. He just hates us. Like, let's just go. And she's like, no, like, we're not going. He's like, no, come on, just go, just go. And then she turns around to us again. And is like, good luck. So I'm like, can you guys just, I literally said to her, I was like, can you guys just piss off? You're ruining our, you know, you're making this difficult for us now because I'm getting into that place. So I just reach into my pocket. I grabbed a little 50 dirham note, which was like, I don't know, £4.50, it's nothing. And I just put it in my hand and go to shake the bouncer's hand. And he, we, we look at each other, we both know what's going on. And he goes, ah, just come back in two minutes once they've left. There is a lot of walking. He's like, just come back in two minutes. Once they've gone around the corner, come back and come in. So I'm like, perfect. Me and Kel start walking away. Um, as soon as we look back and those other two had gotten straight back, shook his hand, gave him some cash and walked up to the top of this rooftop bar. Honestly, I felt fucking cool as shit. More importantly, I think Cal just looked at me like, that was hot, that was cool. Like TIA, if you know, you know. You need to know how to deal with certain situations in Africa. When to, you know, be a bit cheeky, when to like back off, back up, you know. But if you know, you know. So I was quite proud of that. And then the next day, we go in just to another rooftop bar, me, Cal, and Simon. And sat down next to us are the same couple. So we're like, oh, how's it going? You know, where did you guys end up last night? And they said, oh, we went to Alfen. And they're like, oh, what about you? Because you guys didn't get let in. I looked at them. I was like, oh, no, we got let in. 
I just bribed him and he let us in. And they were like, oh, of course. I thought about doing that, but I don't know why I didn't. So, sucks to be them. And then Simon looks over at them and he goes, wait, I know you two. You went to school with the girl. They were at Hills Road together in Cambridge. And he just knew the guy through just mutual friends from school and stuff. Like, sometimes it's crazy how small the world actually is. Like, we saw them the night before, saw them again. Simon knew they're from school. They're in, like, Cambridge. I don't know. It's just crazy. So we just had a nice little chat with them until they headed off to the wherever they're going after they had a booking for something. But yeah, small world. Love it. One thing I want to, like, touch on. It's not serious, but obviously I want to talk about gay stuff as well. So I might as well link this one to Morocco. It was a bit awkward going there with Cal. Because we were kind of, not warned, but just told. You know, just be careful about holding hands in public, kissing, any forms of PDA. And I kind of knew this, being from Zen, not to do that. Cal was like, okay, yeah, you know, I've traveled around a bit. I know different places have different religions and rules. We've never really had to do that before on holiday, not act like we're together. And it was weird. It was quite nice, like not, you know, having a bit of like, no, you can't touch each other. You know, it's, it's cool. I liked it for a little bit. But just the fear of like, we accidentally held hands one time for like one second. We both looked at each other like, shit. Did anyone see that? Are we going to jail? What's the problem? Because we definitely saw loads of other gay foreigners traveling there, like just out and about. Like you just tell they were gay. Yeah, it was just weird not being allowed to have any PDA. I kind of had a little moment to myself. I think it was like the fourth morning we were there. Cal was sitting in bed. I just went up to the roof terrace for a coffee. So I went up for a coffee and I kind of had a little moment to myself where it was the first time I've ever had this feeling or this thought to myself of, I don't know why the shame had just faded away completely. I literally have zero shame or scaredness. Like, I wasn't scared to be gay. I didn't feel like it was a burden anymore. Like, I had to hide it. I think it was just because being in Morocco, being told I couldn't be gay, like with my partner, I didn't all feel like, oh, like, shit, that's sca- I'm scared to do anything now in public. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, it was nice to have a moment of reflection. And let's say like a year ago or two years ago before I met Cal, I would have been absolutely shitting myself. Even in England, be seen doing anything gay in public. But now I'm so comfortable with myself and who I am that having to hide it for a little bit doesn't bring me any sort of anxiety or fear. And it's the first time I probably felt like that, so... I guess Morocco was a little bit of an enlightening experience, you could say. So yeah, if you are at the stage where I was, it'll get better. You're good. You are good. You fucking faggot. I'm joking. (laughs) Don't cancel me. (laughs) I can say that, okay? (laughs) Lol. Um, alright peeps, well, this has been the second episode of the podcast. We did it! Happy happy. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you have not already, rate the podcast, please. Give it a follow on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. 
give the Instagram a follow, please. Send in your questions for the questions of the week. It really means a lot. The reason we didn't have any questions of the week this time was because I'm not embarrassed about it. I literally got two send-ins, which is just not enough. I don't blame you guys for not sending stuff in. I listen to podcasts all day, every day, and I get told constantly send stuff in. I think I've only ever done it once. So I don't blame you for not sending stuff in. It's just how it goes. So please, if you do get a spare chance, send a question and send a story, send a send anything in and it'll be much appreciated. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed. This is Jeffrey Laxman podcast and peace out. Bye bye. Ciao, ciao.